Welcome to After Hours, conversations for music educators, presented by Amro Music. This is where we share ideas and work towards solutions to better serve your students. This week, Nick Averwater continues his conversation with Dr. Bruce Foskey, Associate Professor of Trombone at Arkansas State University in Jonesboro. In the last episode, Dr. Foskey shared ideas for band directors who are non-trombonists but are teaching the instrument at the beginning and middle school levels. This week, we'll have a similar conversation, but we'll focus on musicians and band directors at the high school level. Dr. Foskey will also have some helpful advice for keeping a trombone in good working condition. We've broken up our conversation into two episodes, and this is part two. Well, well, Bruce, I want to. I'm, I'm loving this conversation, and I want to spend a little time, perhaps, diving into the high school level musician because I think this is where a lot of young musicians are really starting to develop. They're starting to find their way, but still benefit so much from that leadership and the mentorship and the guidance that that music educators bring to all of their students. So, what are some of the ways that um, a non-trombone player continue to can can help their trombone players advance? Perhaps some practice, some studies, the things that really you believe in that a high school level uh, player should be playing at? Wow. Okay. Um, Well, I think that the easiest place to start, there are two pillars that every trombone player in terms of books that they should have. They need an Arben book. I don't care which one. It can be the Alessi Bowman spiral bound $70 one, or it can be the old school Simone Mantia, Charles Randall, Carl Fisher edition from You know, it's been around forever. The one that you and I probably both played out of. Um, I don't care which one they have, but they need an Arben book. Uh, There's a reason why that book has withstood the test of time. And the great thing about that book is that it starts very simply. And again, you introduce the concept simply, and then you apply that simple concept at an increasingly advanced level. And then a Bordoni brochure, book one. You know, my, my copy was white with three pastel sort of printed trombones on the cover. It's changed since then, but the book, the content hasn't changed. Uh, there's a reason why those books still are top sellers, reason why they're still available and why they're still used. You'll, you'll never outgrow Bordoni and you sh- you'll never outgrow scales and arpeggios. It's the DNA, DNA of our music, uh, Western music. Uh, I really think that if a player, you know, there's the, the famous story of Christian Lindbergh well, I just read the Arben book cover to cover, and then I could play trombone. Okay, well, that's probably true because he's a once-in-a-lifetime type of musician. But I think that I can take that one book. If I have a student that can only afford one book, I can use that book and get everything done that we need to get done. And so I think it's a matter of having a teacher that can walk a student through that book and, and, and force them to not go to the back and try to play Carnival of Venice right away, hmm. but actually take the time to do the simple exercises up front. Uh, I'm fond of uh, learning about coaches and trainers in different disciplines and in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. There's a, there's a quote from the Gracie family. There are no advanced techniques, just simple techniques done at an advanced level. So we take the time to do those simple, simple things. Uh, I think that students are compelled to move really quickly. They see their heroes on Instagram, on YouTube, other places other kids in their region or, the, or throughout the state, well, so-and-so over here is playing this solo, I need to be playing it. Or so-and-so over here is playing this mouthpiece, I need to be playing it. And I try to remind my students to run their own race. You have a unique set of skills, strengths and weaknesses. 
We need to accentuate your strengths. We need to work on the weaknesses and recognize that the greatest baseball hitter in the history of all time, Ted Williams, I think he's still the, the best of all time. If not, I still consider him to be the best. His batting average was just a little over 400. That means that six times out of 10, he struck out at bat. And I think that young musicians in particular have this, this false idea of what their heroes can do on a live concert. And I think that it's a matter of you've got to swing and you got to, can't be afraid to miss. So we spend a lot of time doing a lot of back and forth, simple exercises in those books. A lot of I play, you play. Not because I'm the paragon of trombone technique, but I am further down the road than they are, and I can model what I want them to be able to do. And there is something to be said for rote teaching, back and forth. You've got to hear it. It's an oral tradition to some degree. So we start with very, very basic things, first 40 or 45 pages of the Arben book, first 10 or 15 Bordonis. And frankly, if the Bordonis are too difficult, there's a great little book published by Cherry Classics out of Canada. It's the Chimera Phrasing Studies for Trombone. They're three-line Bordonis. They're more... They're less advanced in range. Um, they're easier, more digestible, particularly for younger students that are kind of bridging that gap from junior high all region to high school all region when the music just goes way harder overnight in 10th grade. Uh, it's a great bridge material between the two. And so I'll have college students, we're going to take two steps back so that we can take five steps forward. Um, I, I'm pretty limited in what I want them to, to buy and start out with. Because we're going to spend a lot of time in the, in the things that we do get and the, the things that we do start with. Um, I am real big on duets. I try to do a duet with every student in every lesson. Again, so that they can, they can hear and have a sound and a technique modeled for them that they can emulate. And then uh, I think teacher and student placement is crucial. If I sit next to them in the lesson and we're looking off of the same book, it's a different perception of their sound than if I'm sitting across from them in the room. I always sit across with my own copy of the book and my, my bell is pointed at them and theirs is pointed at me and I'm probably going to lose my hearing before they lose theirs. But uh, I think that for the, for the work that I do, I want them to hear the sound out front. Those things to me are more important than having 30 books and going through every, the latest craze in the lip slur world. I want to go with classics that work. There's other great books, don't get me wrong, but there's a reason why those two are at the top of most studio lists still. Um, from there, it's so highly individualized in terms of solo repertoire, but I think that it's so important to slow down. We live in such a fast world where everything is so quickly paced, and I'm going to get rid of this PlayStation because this new one loads games that much faster and music, one of the things that's so alluring about it to me, particularly with the generation of students that's coming up now, is that it forces them to slow down. It's not a skill that can be acquired overnight. And I want to build into their musical identity this idea of patience and really trying to craft something. I know that you do woodworking, and I know that if a dovetail joint doesn't quite work, you spend a little more time with it and a little more time with it. And then when it looks great, it's the best thing ever, right? It is. And Very I just rewarding. think that, that we, we, need to, we need to be cultivating that with our students. Yeah. Well, and those, those books, I mean, again, great reference materials um, that, that folks can use and, and, can, and can continue to help their advancing students, point them in that direction. Right. 
Well, Bruce, I just got a, a couple more little questions for you here. Um, cool. Let's talk a little bit about um, just slide maintenance, because I know that's something that if you're not from the trombone world, you know, that, <laughs> that can be a challenge, right? Absolutely. So first off, for the beginners, what slide products do you like? I am a big fan of any of the liquid slide creams. I'm not a fan of slide oil at all. In fact, um, if I was putting together a, a care kit for my beginners, I would sub out slide cream for slide oil. I know that slide oil is convenient, but metal on metal contact over the long term, I just don't think oil is the better thing. It's convenient, super easy, but this right here is the ultra pure. This comes with, uh, all the Shires trombones now, but Yamaha has a version of it and it's sort of a liquid slide cream, slido mix type of, uh, uh, product. It's easy. You just squirt a little bit on each tube, maybe a little water and you're good to go. The more important thing to me, um, I used it in junior high as a sword or a lightsaber, my cleaning rod, the old cleaning rod. And then I've got a, I've got a, a sleeve that fits over it. So I don't have to go do the cheesecloth thing. And I can throw this in the washer whenever I need to. But I swab my slide out. Every time I put product on the slide, I'm taking old product off. It will build up. And, <laughs> uh, you know, there's trumpet players that have stories about the bore size of their instrument changing after they clean it. Oh, my God, now it plays in tune again. I think that trombone slides, what breaks them down and makes them hang and drag. Yeah, there's dents that can happen. But more often than not, it's just an overabundance of buildup nasty nasty buildup not only the product but also the nachos that they didn't brush their teeth after eating at lunch uh, so yeah. you know making sure that they keep a toothbrush or at least rinse their mouth out with some water before they play swab the slide out teach them how to do that from the beginning um, I'm also big on how we set the horn down three points tuning slide mouthpiece and bell never set it down on the slide Never set it down on a chair where it can fall. If it's on the ground, it can't fall any further. Um, those things all make a big difference. And, you know, if it's a, school, a set of school horns, that repair budget, you know, instruments still need to be cleaned. I, 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 it, it boggles my mind that anyone would ever purchase an instrument and then not do the preventative maintenance on it that you can do year in, year out to make that instrument last a long time. Yeah, they're, they're an investment. But you have to take care of that investment the same way you do with your teeth or your car or anything else. And so the product is great. And if you get them used, using this stuff early, they'll just use it. And it'll just be what they can use because they can use it on any horn at any time. Typically, there's no interaction with anything else that they put on their horn like valve oil. Um, works pretty well. That's typically yeah. what I do. Yeah, Great recommendation. Yeah, I know we've got plenty of that. and. Uh, I, I know I use some of the Slido mix and the Super Slicks and the mm -hmm. other thing. And one thing I, I, I will mention is that uh, typically on these products, a little bit goes a long way. Yes. D typically don't. And that's one of the common things we see, particularly with the creams, is they want to put cream on the entirety of the slide, you know, from, oh, yeah. from top all the way down. Um, but the reality is, is that the contact's being made at the bottom, what's called the sock there. Yep. And uh, so the the contact of the slide is actually a very small portion of the slide. Mm -hmm. You know, the rest hopefully is just freely gliding uh, right. with no or minimal friction between the two. Right. Um, so we see that a lot. Just a slide that's just over oiled, over creamed, and just oh, yeah. uh, and and it's and and then it just gums up and locks up in that way. Absolutely. Yeah. 
great, great product recommendations. And back to your mouthpiece, uh, you know, you kind of mentioned that is something that AMRO does. I know that's real common, but the 12C and the 6.5A, it's probably 50-50. A couple of schools have the, you know, their opinions on the Shilke 51Ds and and some of the other ones as well. But that's about 50-50. So, you know, for any of our AMRO customers, that's something that we can certainly help you out with is very common. Uh, as well. And then, you know, Bruce, help just for the, again, for the non-trombone player, explain the F attachment for us, man. I know what it is. You know what it is, but help us understand that a little bit. Well, do you want me to explain it the way that a salesman would explain it? Or do you want me to explain it the way a trombone teacher would explain it? Let's do because both. The way, that it, the way that it was sold to me back in 1991 when I bought my first, first Bach 42B was that I would never have to use sixth or seventh position again. That's real popular with young students is that low C gets real attainable all of a yeah. sudden. Yeah. And, and then you just stop using basically anything after fifth. And that's fine. And I think that, you know, it is a wow factor. Oh, I don't have to do that anymore. Great. And it's an easy thing to sell. But I, my whole thing on the, on the F attachment is that it's a range extension. It makes us almost completely chromatic. And I believe that working in that lower register at the bottom and slow and just below the staff is the single biggest way to open up a sound, to expand range in both directions. Yes, working on low register stuff will help your high register. It will help you relax as a player. It will help you sort of fill out the bottom overtones of your sound, which will make your sound more pleasant, and you'll get fewer hands from the conductor uh, just because the sound will be more round. I don't use terms like bright and dark. I use terms like resonant and full because resonant we can pretty much agree on bright and dark. One person's bright is another person's dark. And so we spend a lot of time, uh, Bordoni's Roshu's down an octave or down a fifth. Um, I'm trying to incorporate that register to make it part of the playing register. Uh, try to avoid shifting too much. I mean, there's a micro shift on every note when, when we change up and down the horn. If you, if you photographed each pitch, you know, as you have am playing an E and then playing an F then playing an F sharp, there's slight changes, but it's micro changes. And so I spend a lot of time with my students working into that valve register, F, E, all the way down, um, and recognizing that I don't think that a trombone player can afford to be a high note or a low note person. I know the horn players tend to specialize, but trombone players need to be able to have the whole com- the complete package. And so we spend a lot of time down there. I am a big fan of just the rotor valve. The, the axial valve is great. Axial flow valve is great. It's higher maintenance. It requires more work. If you're willing to do that and make that investment, not only of the of the, the actual cost of the valve, but the maintenance on it. Uh, not that I don't take care of my rotor, but that rotor is not going to fail on me. It's not going to stick. It's not going to catch. Um, having a student sort of figure out what kind of blow that they need. Some students need the resistance of the rotor. Others want the more free flow. Most young students don't know what they don't know about that. And so I tend to put them on something and then we can always adjust it later. That's one of the beauties of the Shires product is that you can switch out parts. You can make changes. But I, uh, you know, I resist the urge to do the F attachment much with young students until probably their third year of study. I know that like we want students to like move up an instrument, um, and that's fine, and I want them to as well. But I want them to move when they're ready. Too often I see kids get up into an instrument that's way larger than what they can handle, and their their improvement was doing this, and then all of a sudden they lose encouragement, and it sort of plateaus out. I know that happened to me. I was on the standard 
the rental 606, King 606, my first year, and was doing really, really well. Then I made the top band going into seventh grade. Parents bought me that Bach, and I could not fill the thing up for a year. And it was not because I didn't have the lung power to do it. It was because I just couldn't understand how to make this new instrument work. And it was a lot at once. And so I think that there's a couple of really old, great books that Alan Ostrander method for bass, for bass trombone and F attachment trombone walks you through by key and by position, how to incorporate all of those notes and helps you realize that you can play low B flat, second line bass clef and trigger flat third and low A and trigger flat fourth alternate positions that make some of these more challenging technical passages doable. The slide is only a hindrance if you don't do that studying to sort of figure out how we can incorporate those alternates to make it work. Yeah, yeah. Great insights. Well, Bruce, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Before we uh, wrap up, are there any closing thoughts or final advice that you might want to share with our listeners today? Yeah, I think that, you know, we're in an interesting time where there's an awful lot of chicken littles and the sky seems to be falling about everything. But, you know, I just I, I just went to concert assessment for part of yesterday and and saw these bands on stage and the, the culmination of all their work. And I I know that, you know, it can be a hard career path, but it's so rewarding. I just have to stop and remind myself how lucky we are to be in any facet of this music business, whether it's the education side or what you do over there with AMRO, what I do at the university, we're very lucky. And uh, I just, I encourage people to reconnect with the things that bring them joy about music, because if you're not careful, you can lose that. In the day-to-day grind, it's so easy to lose that and to forget the gratitude that goes along with all the tremendous mentors that have helped shape my life. We wouldn't be having this conversation if it wasn't for seven or eight, ten people that really just poured into me. And so if I can spend my time giving back in that way to the next generation, then that's the legacy I want to leave behind. That's the thing that I want want to be remembered for. And it's how I can pay it forward. And we have a tremendous opportunity to help shape tomorrow's leaders by what we do in these classrooms every day. I really believe it. Because the, the skills that they learn – on these instruments and in, in, in choir and orchestra, um, in any of the arts, perseverance, sticking with things when they don't go great. Those are all skills that they're going to be able to take with them into life. And you are an agent for change in those young people's lives. So stick with it. And if I can help anyone in any way, I have car and I'm willing to travel. So hit me up. Yeah. Very well said. And and Bruce, for anybody that may want to either get in contact with you, unpack some more, some of the things we have talked mm-hmm. about, or perhaps learn more about Arkansas State and the things going on there in the trombone and the low brass studio, how can they find you? Well, I'm all over social media, mostly on Instagram at Foskey Music, F-A-S-K-E Music. And then also my website is foskeymusic.com. There's also astatetrombones.com, which has some information about the trombone studio, and then astate.edu slash music for the music department. And uh, pretty much if you do a Google search, you'll find us. You'll find me. My face is pretty recognizable. I am who I am. So, uh, you know, hit me up. I teach lessons of all ages. Um, I enjoy working with really young students, getting them started. Obviously, my meat and potatoes is high school and college, but... Uh, adult beginners, people that want to restart after 40 years of not playing, 
let's dust that horn off and get started. Um, it's just really a gratifying thing to get to do. So I'm always willing to talk shop and help people out. And uh, yeah, so get in touch. I'd love to hear Perfect. from you. Bruce, thank you so much. I've enjoyed this conversation uh, immensely. And just thank you so much for the way that you are serving the music education community there at Arkansas State University. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's Dr. Bruce Foskey, Associate Professor of Trombone at Arkansas State University, talking with Nick Averwater on After Hours, Conversations for Music Educators, which is presented by Amro Music. This podcast is produced by Nick Averwater and Joel Hurd in Memphis, Tennessee. And you can hear many more conversations at amromusic.com slash after hours. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, here are two easy and fast ways you can support the After Hours show. First, your five-star review means a lot as it helps to boost us in the podcast rankings so that other music educators just like you can find us. Second, if you thought of someone that would enjoy this week's content and episode, hey, please share it with them so that they too can be a part of the After Hours community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.